In Seattle, they've created a police-free zone. It's a heaven. It's a nirvana. But just like the other nirvana from Seattle, it's probably not going to last very long and will end up killing itself. Ah, it's probably Courtney Love anyway. Welcome to the Political Deactivist Podcast. It's amazing when I predict the future and it's amazing when I'm right. And Dave Chappelle said I am right in his new special. All the things I said in yesterday's podcast about Little Britain and all of that were validated and validated by my favorite comedian. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the eight can't wait and we're going to talk about facial recognition technology. Here's a spoiler, get a mask. When you first saw George Floyd's video, were you able to watch it from start to finish? Because I wasn't. The first time I watched it, I turned it off and I'd seen enough. The second time I watched it, I watched it on mute because I didn't want to hear him crying out. And even then, I was wincing and I couldn't quite watch it. And I've got friends who can go on Live Leak and watch videos of people dying without without trouble. Uh, I'm sure a little bit of trouble, but not... (laughs) I think maybe it affects other people differently. But I just couldn't watch it. I've since watched it from start to finish because I had to talk about it. But it, there was a real emotional reaction. Those mirror neurons were really firing up. And so last night I was up quite late and then Dave Chappelle popped up on my Twitter feed and I watched his stand-up and I love Dave Chappelle and I always have. And it was the second time since the start of this mess that I actually felt emotion again about it. Because I've been talking about the politics behind it and and what the protesters should be aiming for, what they should and shouldn't be doing. He didn't talk about any of that. He just, he really grounded it in right and wrong. Uh, If you haven't seen it, you should go and watch it. He talks about uh, a time in his life when he was in LA and an earthquake hit Uh, for 15 seconds and he tried really hard not to scream because he thought if I live I don't want to look back on this and and remember how I screamed and that only lasted for 15 seconds whereas George Floyd had that police officer's uh, knee on his throat for 8 minutes and 40 seconds and he was crying out for his mother that's horrific absolutely horrific Now, what I've said about it was uh, that the movement should be strictly about the police and de-escalating, defunding, changing, reforming the actual police as an institution rather than trying to get rid of this sort of intangible concept of racism within the police. It has to be about getting rid of the police power that allows them to do that. We're going to talk about the eight can't wait, which someone has sent me uh, later in this episode. But that's what my whole thing has been about. And in either case, if you're trying to fight racism or if you're trying to fight the police as an institution, I think that if you fight the police as an institution, the outcome will be the same as if you were fighting racism because you're going to be taking that power from them. You're going to be pulling the rug from under them. So I think either way, the outcome will be positive. But in either case, that 15-minute video or however long it went for of Dave Chappelle talking about it is the most honest I think the most honest take on the whole movement so far. And the whole thing, he even specifically talks about this. He says, 
all the celebrities should shut up. No one wants to hear from a celebrity right now. The streets are speaking for themselves. But he also said that people are looking to him because they trust him. And I think that was absolutely true. And it just goes to what I was saying in yesterday's podcast when I was saying that comedy is the best platform to be able to talk about these things. Because no one has been talking straight about this. No one has been having the, uh, I guess, the right level of emotional response with intelligence and all of that stuff in the kind of political sphere. They're either totally, you know, just, uh, you know, boxed in this sort of logic or they're angry or they're, you know, they're just countering the protest and there's no sort of middle ground. Whereas Dave Chappelle got up on stage, talked honestly about it, talked about his own experiences and just left it to us. And he just said, look, I love you to the protesters and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. He didn't condone breaking into buildings or destroying private property. He didn't uh, badmouth Trump or anything like that. He did badmouth uh, Candace Owens, but I guess uh, people can understand that. And I think for someone who's been so close to these issues his whole life, and to be able to talk about it in a way that's both emotional but also very wise and logical uh, and grounded was refreshing to hear and it also took me back as someone who's totally on the outside someone in Australia who it doesn't really affect me what happens over there to bring me back to an emotional plane back to the basics of uh, having a knee on the back of someone's throat for eight minutes 40 seconds killing them while he screams for his mother and as I said yesterday, this movement has been politicized. It's been hijacked and Black Lives Matters, actually their website, all the funding goes straight to the Democratic Party. Uh, and that's disgusting and that's wrong. And the other thing that Dave Chappelle said in his uh, special, do you call it a special? I don't know, his, his clip, was how much he hated people in positions of power or in the media lying to the people which is exactly what I said again in yesterday's podcast. He just validated everything I was saying. And it's so important that we stop this nonsense censoring of shows and comedies and just because based on your feelings. Because what's at risk are the people who are just talking openly and honestly about it and helping us work through it. The people at risk are people like Dave Chappelle who are just comedians, just doing their thing. And imagine if a, a group of angry Republicans said, no, what Dave Chappelle about, said about Candace Owens is disgusting and he should be banned. Well, guess what? The Republicans have the majority in America. You might not, it might not seem that way, but they do. So do we want to risk Dave Chappelle for your feelings? I don't think so. Because as I said, he was the only one that took me back to that emotional response, back to the basics I'm not saying that his logic was purely emotional. What I'm saying is that he knows how to tell a story and get us back to that, uh, to those first principles. Should this be allowed to happen? Should a police officer be allowed to have a knee on the back of a man's throat until he dies? What we need is open and honest dialogue, back and forth, trying to figure things out. And if you think the best way to get that is by banning comedians, banning comedies, then... It's a very, very bleak future. Now we're going to go through the eight can't wait 
demands of, I guess as a side project, a, um, a subtitle in the Black Lives uh, Matters movement, because right now all we're hearing is defund the police with no real plan to kind of carry that out. And I talked about that yesterday as well, What, ha- how to defund the police the right way. Actually, it wasn't yesterday, it was two days ago. In an episode, funnily enough, called Defund the Police. So we've got the 8 Can't Wait here, which is at 8can'twait.org. And these are sort of eight demands for regulations into the police department. So it's not about defunding the police. It's not about reforming the institution itself. It's just like, hey, you guys take things too far. So the first one here is to ban chokeholds and strangleholds. Uh, They've already done that, at least in uh, Minnesota. Require de-escalation. And there's an article on police1.com, which is a disgusting website. Some of the posts I've been skimming through are just so gross, and it puts you in the, uh, I guess, puts you in the feet of people in these positions of power and how arrogant and, oh, it's actually, I dry reached probably six times. Uh, and it reminded me of when I was bulimic in high school, but it's absolutely disgusting. But uh, there is one article which it, it does speak to how hard it is to get someone in handcuffs when they're AWOL, right? That requires a, a lot of skill and would require a lot of training, and it's probably worth doing the training. Now, in this article, they talk about balancing risk, and I'll just read out this paragraph for you. In use of force cases, when we ask officers to balance risk, we're usually asking them to balance mission accomplished against physical danger. Okay, so I'll just pause right there. So when an officer goes to apprehend someone or arrest someone, they're balancing their own risk to themselves. And later on in the paragraph it says, oh, but now we have to balance it between an individual's right to be left alone against society's need to protect government interests. So the risk they're balancing is, one, the police officer's safety, two, government interests, and then three, perhaps, the individual's right to be left alone. And how demeaning is it when they put it in those words, the right to be left alone? It's the right to have sovereignty over your own body and not to have someone have their knee on the back of your throat until you die. That's what we're talking about. Now, in my, uh, in my episode about defunding the police, I talk about excessive force used by police in a private police society. But we could even uh, introduce these uh, codes of conduct and rules and laws even in today's society when we've got state police. So basically, if there's a murderer on the run and a police officer shoots him in the leg and that murderer, uh, that person they shot in the leg is actually innocent, then the police officer needs to pay the price for that, an equal amount to that price. So the medical bills, uh, the time uh, left in lockup and all of those sort of things, he needs to bear that cost. But If it was the murderer, if it's proven in a court of law that this guy did murder people, then the police officer is let off. So then balancing the risk is not balancing the risk between the police officer's personal safety and the interests of the government, and then maybe the the right to be left alone. No, the risk is, what is the force that I'm using, and is it equal or under the amount of uh, damage that this suspect has already caused? 
Okay, so George Floyd, I think he was being arrested this time for uh, fraudulent checks or something like that. So the use of force that was applied to him, and he wasn't resisting arrest at all, uh, caused his death. Okay, even if he was proved in a court of law to be guilty, that officer still has to pay the price for killing a civilian. I go into this in terms of the abstracts and the actual function behind it in the defund the police episode. But that's the way that you could uh, de-escalate the police force and the police institution. Instead of having these kind of one-handed, hey, we're going to ban chokeholds here or we're going to ban body slams over here or power drivers (laughs) over here. Instead of just these one-off rules that will probably largely get ignored... Why don't we have this sort of basis, this principle that the police have to abide by? You don't use excessive force unless you're absolutely sure the person has committed a crime and that force is equal to or less than that crime committed. Even as an introduction to that thought process, an introduction to that principle, that sounds in its infancy way more plausible, way more uh, intelligent than just banning single one-off things. Oh, we're going to ban chokeholds here. Oh, we're going to ban... Uh, uh, knees uh, to the face here it's like these rules are probably going to get ignored within I don't know a week of the protests ending because the thought process isn't there the principles are not there the police officer isn't thinking about your rights he isn't thinking of you as a citizen it's us versus them all he's really thinking is is it worth my personal risk and because he's the one with the gun normally it is but let's go back to these eight can't wait. We already talked about chokeholds, de-escalation. Uh, number three is require warning before shooting. Um, they don't have to warn you before they shoot you because they don't have to warn you before any force is actually uh, put upon you. And that's the problem, right? They don't. It, it's all about, okay, is, is my life in danger as a police officer? And if they can answer yes, they can basically get away with, it, mur- <laughs> get away with murder, as we've seen. Uh, Although he didn't get away with it, but I think that's because it's in the public eye. Uh, Anyway, let's move on. Requires uh, exhausting all alternatives before shooting. As I said, if they feel if they if they're scared and they feel like their lives in danger, good luck with that. Uh, Duty to intervene. I really like this one, and it has already been uh, implemented. It means that if you see a police officer doing the wrong thing, it's your duty actually to intervene uh, and stop that. Now, I don't know how this would work in all practicality because of all the internal politics and all of that kind of uh, stuff that goes on in the background uh, and saving face and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know how that would actually work, but at least it's uh, getting put into to practice in, in some sense of the word. But I think it's mainly, uh, mostly an illusion. Uh, ban shooting at moving vehicles. Uh, I don't know about this one. Because uh, a friend of mine was hit by that car in Melbourne uh, that just plowed through that huge group of people. Um, So, I don't know, a blanket statement like that, hmm, I don't know. Again, if we go back to the philosophy of the officer balancing risk between what he's going to be responsible versus the crime that's being committed or has been committed, I think that's a better way to go about it. Um, Require use of a force continuum uh, I think that sounds like something from 
uh, Back to the Future, the force continuum. Uh, so what that means is establishing a force continuum that restricts the most severe types of force to the most extreme situations and create, creates clear policy restrictions on the use of each police weapon and tactic. That kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't know why police don't use tasers more than they do. Uh in Australia, just down the road from my house, outside the Hungry Jacks, a mentally ill woman had a knife, and the police shot her. And she was she wasn't like fit; she wasn't going to run at them and stab them and kill them. They just shot her. I don't know why they didn't use the taser. Anything else would have de-escalated that situation. But again, if all they're thinking about is, "Hmm, am I at risk?" then they're basically justified doing anything. And the last one is require comprehensive reporting. I would change that uh, if I was writing this list um, as from their perspective, like not as a libertarian because this list is largely redundant. But why not require body cams on everybody to be recording at all times, going to the cloud at all times? I mean, they have an unlimited budget. They can do it. And that brings us to this whole facial recognition technology uh, item on the agenda, I guess. So Google have said that they're not going to give facial recognition technology to the police department unless there are federal regulations in place. Uh, And you might be thinking, wow, that's really really good of Google because they're just trying to protect protesters. And uh, well, there's a couple other reasons that I think that's they don't give a crap about protesters at all. Uh, number one is that everyone at the protests are wearing masks at the moment. Not necessarily COVID masks, but just masks to hide their identity. So I think Google are afraid that if they give their facial recognition technology over to the federal police and they're unable to use it, then there goes that revenue stream. They're not going to invest in that for another five, ten years. So that's number one. Number two is that when the Microsoft Xbox came out with a Kinect technology, so it had facial recognition and all of that stuff, it didn't recognize people with a darker complexion. So again, I think they're just worried that if they give this technology away too soon, then it's going to be largely redundant and that, that revenue stream is gone. Also, I'm not sure what these particular regulations are that they're calling for. They could be calling for a specific a safety measure within the technology that only they know how to build so that it locks out competition, it locks out Amazon and it locks out IBM because normally that's what regulations are for. They're for locking out the competition and I think that they're trying to push the government. They're saying, hey, look, we've got this technology you can really use but you need to put in this regulation for uh, safety Uh, Although, you know, we're the only ones who can comply with that regulation because that's how we designed our software. So that's probably the most likely scenario. The conspiracy scenario is that the police are already using it and this is just a show to say, oh, they're not using it yet because in Australia they kept saying for the last two years, oh, we're not using facial recognition technology. And only recently they came out and said, yeah, we have been using it. We've been using it for ages. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Political Deactivist. 
podcast. So in conclusion, don't cheer when comedians are taken off the air because that platform is the only place where we can get some honest dialogue about things. Unless you think the politicians are being honest. I don't know, man. That's uh, that's pretty stupid to me. Uh, you know what? Eight can't wait. Kind of cool. I think we should change the principles behind policing, change the entire institution itself, but do that in a slow, systematic way. But, you know, if we can de-escalate the violence, then that's all good. Facial recognition technology is here. Wear a mask when you go to a protest, man. Wear a mask. Don't wear the anonymous mask. That is so cringe. I don't know. Wear a Bane mask. I was born in the dark. I kind of sound like Sean Connery. But if you want to watch our movie, go to anotherwaymovie.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us some feedback. Tell us what you think. You can also read some of our articles at politicaldeactivist.com. And until then, we'll see you next time. Until then, when? When you read our articles, I don't know. See you later.